I want to talk to you about readiness, and I want to go to 2 Timothy chapter 4 and read the charge of the Apostle Paul to the protege Timothy. There are charges throughout the Bible where Moses charges Joshua and Caleb and, and where uh, there are different charges that are made, David with Solomon and things like that. Well, this is Paul with Timothy, but for that matter, as it pertains to us, it's the Holy Spirit charging the church to a certain pattern. And one of them is readiness, and that's the primary one, but there are a number of things here that I want you to see in this context. So God, I pray we have a wonderful time in God's word today. This is my Bible. It's the Old and New Testament. It documents who you are, God, and what your plan is for humanity and for, the, for eternity. And God, the entrance of your word gives light, it gives understanding to the simple. And because of it, how can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. Open up our eyes that we may behold wondrous things from your law. Your word being a lamp to our feet and a light to our path gives us instruction in times like these. For the early church, it helped them in the Roman Empire, for Daniel's day in the Babylonian captivity, and for our day in 2020, with all the particulars of our time, show us how to live ready, how to have the word dwell in us richly, and how to know how to flow in Jesus' name. Amen. The reason I'm reading this to you is because I'm a pastor. And in Ephesians chapter 4, Jesus led captivity captive and he gave gifts to men. He gave gifts to the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. The apostle Paul is actually speaking to Pastor Timothy here. These are pastoral letters and these guys are called to be equippers. I have a responsibility as a pioneer founding pastor to do what God's called me to do, to preach the word, to equip you, uh, like it says in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, um, that, that for the equipping of the saints, I love the phrase equipping. I love the idea of somebody joining the military, getting their hair cut, lining up, having a drill sergeant start to train them and prepare them and equip them, but also to go to the barracks and go into the supply area and the person behind the desk finds out what size your feet are, what size your waist is, what size your, your, your shirt is, and they give you a uniform, and they give you equipment, they give you a backpack, they give you a weapon, they give you tools so that you can be a soldier. I love the idea of equipping when education is done right. Reading, writing, and arithmetic, so kids are equipped. They're articulate, they're thinkers, they, they build their logic skills, their artistic skills, they develop with their hands, with work with their hands. What a fascinating thing to be able to develop, apprentice, and become accomplished at something. Praise God for that. And so we see in this context, Paul telling Timothy some things in his last charge. In fact, this is close to the nearing the end of Paul's life. So you pay particular attention to famous last words. These are the words of the amazing Paul the Apostle who wrote 13 letters of the Bible, half the New Testament, had a tremendous conversion on the road to Damascus and became a changed man, called himself the chief of sinners, but also declared that, that if anyone's in Christ, he or she's a new creature and that he was no longer guilty of the blood of any man, that he was free from shame and free from condemnation and that, that, that he was called to go and get the gospel to the Gentiles. Look at this, 2 Timothy chapter 4. I solemnly charge you. Notice it doesn't say depressingly charge you or severely charge you or harshly charge you. Solemn is not uh, somber. Solemn is, 
It's, this is important. This is, this is serious. It's not severe, though, but it's really, it's critical. He said, I solemnly charge you, not only that, in the presence of God. Now, remember, there were times Paul qualified his words by saying, uh, this is the word of the Lord. But then there were other times where he said, this is not the Holy Spirit, but this is me, but I think I have the Holy Spirit with me on this subject. And I, I love uh, when a leader qualifies their, his or her terms. And so it's important, and I like that modeling of that. He would be clear about that. And so if he was clear about this is the definitive word of the Lord, then we can take heed to that because he would even be willing to say, now this is what I think, this is my opinion. And I think that was modeled correctly to help us so we don't just always pull, well, the Lord told me this and the Lord told me that. Be careful with that. If the Lord did tell you something, then you can go ahead and say, this is why what I feel God has really told me. But don't just be flippant with that. Paul is not flippant with that, so because of it, it becomes very serious here. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom. So he's basically saying, listen, what I'm about to tell you is some of the most important stuff and it's the end of my life. It's the end of my last letter. I want to get this to my son in the faith, Timothy. And so we get to come and peel back and open up this book and receive the impact and the import of this beautiful exhortation, this little series of statements that are actually quite large, quite enormous, quite essential, quite powerful, that will equip us in our moment. Listen to what it says here. Preach the word. Preach the word. Well, yeah, that's an apostle telling a pastor, and that's his job to preach the word. But did you know we, in fact, as a body, are all assigned and responsible? Colossians 3:16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, so that you will teach and admonish one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. I am part of a movement, the Jesus movement. I'm part of the charismatic renewal, the Pentecostal outpouring that spilled over the denominational walls that were previously uh, buried, and then God began to do something extraordinary around the period of my youth. I just talked to a couple of kids that are 16, and when I was 16, Jesus changed my life. It was so disorienting in that transition from childhood to adulthood, the disruption, the fast-paced changes, and my particular uh, footprint it, there was a lot of social upheaval. I, I came from a house that was a little bit disrupted and that kind of thing. And as a young, kind of impressionable mind, I was kind of greatly troubled by the times. Earthquakes, wars and rumors of wars. There was racial disharmony. There were clashes with the, with the generations. There was this, a lot of experimentation from the staid sort of social mores of the 40s and 50s, and then the changes, fast-paced changes of the 60s and 70s. And yet in the midst of it, the Lord and the turbulence was bringing light beams of his love. Cults were raising up, overemphasis on Eastern religions by the rock stars. Everything was going out into all kinds of crazy orbits. And yet the simple, essential gospel of Jesus was being provided. It's even happening right now. In the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of social distancing, in the midst of the nations being in an upheaval, the word of our God stands true. The gates of hell cannot prevail against the church, and we have received a kingdom which cannot be shaken. 
So when he says preach the word, he means articulate the message. Be singular in your idea. The most important and imperative message is Jesus Christ and him crucified and the truth concerning his kingdom. And we need to study to show ourselves approved unto God, workmen who need not to be ashamed, handling accurately and rightly dividing the word. And it warns us of this later on in this verse, but he says, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. Look, here's why. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, people have itching ears, they want to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. Now there's another warning in another place about endless genealogies and myths. I've never seen it in my lifetime how obsessed people are with genealogies. I talked to a lady, I asked her where she was born. I recognized immediately when I saw her that she was Asian. And I just said, where were you born? And she said, I thought I was, up till this year, I thought I was born in Korea. I went, oh, wow. We were in line together waiting to get a meal, get paper plates and get some lunch. So I, she said, I did this ancestry thing and I found out that I'm 100% Japanese. She said, I thought I, was, I thought I was born in Korea up to, she said, I'm adopted and I had Japanese parents, but they, were, they actually cared enough about me. She said, I even have a name, a Japanese name. And then they gave me over and I got adopted in a, in a Korean service. I never would have known that I was actually Japanese. So then she's going through all this. But then she said something interesting. She said, because I'm a new creature in Christ, this hasn't really been that big a deal to me anyway because I know my citizenship is in heaven and I'm, I'm a joint heir with Jesus. And I said, I know, I agree, I know. I said, plus besides, I don't want to find out any of the bad guys I was related to, you know. <laughs> Usually people say I'm related to Cleopatra and all that stuff and then it's like, you know, I saw one rock star and then he was related to only bad guys in the penal colony of Australia. It was like he was so let down. But anyway, this endless genealogies and myths. You know, mythology uh, is a poor substitute for truth. And the Bible says in the end times, knowledge will increase. You know, with the advent of the computer and then the cell phone and the, and the technologies of the chip, a little eight-year-old boy with a cell phone has access to more knowledge and more information than the President of the United States had in the Library of Cong Congress in the early 1980s. Since Patsy and I entered into ministry, things have changed in such rapidity, but some things have never changed. That there, there would be winds of doctrine and the trickery of men and cunning craftiness and deceitful scheming. And so there's always been and always will be an imperative as Paul echoed to Timothy, as God is echoing to us. He said, listen, I don't want you to be tossed to and fro by the trickery of men, by winds and waves of doctrine, and the cunning craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in all aspects in him. So not only is this a great message from Paul the Apostle to Timothy the pastor 2,000 years ago, not only is it a great admonition for a pastor like me with the responsibilities I have, a teacher will incur a stricter judgment. I carry that with me every day. I wanna make sure that what I say and do, I endeavor to be accurate. I owe it to you to give God's best and be accurate in the plumb line of the word of God 
and I believe in God to have that where Jesus is exalted and you guys are greatly, greatly equipped so you can discern between good and evil and you don't have your faith rest on the wisdom of men, but you have your faith resting on the power of God. Can I hear an amen? amen. So it says here, they'll turn their ears away from the truth and will turn aside to myths, but you, but me, but us, be sober in all things. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Actually, I've patterned our church after this verse. I want everything to be evangelistic in its tone. I want people to get saved, don't you? I want people, I want to have a sobriety about us. Now, I want to go back to this verse and I want to finish, I'll just read this, the rest of this. For I am being, already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure has come. Paul is anticipating he's about ready to go be with the Lord. He's at the end of his life. And here's what he exclaims, by the way. He who told Timothy to fight the good fight of faith. He said, I have fought the good fight of faith. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. What great assurance. What a great way to end your life. May we, by the grace of God, be able to say that. And, and then also hear, well done, good and faithful servant. How many of you want that man more than anything? And he said, in the future, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness. Ooh, okay, Paul, you've got some reward, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. Buttons popping, man, that sounds great. But then he doesn't stop there. He goes, and not only me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Woo! This verse all of a sudden just went from Paul to Timothy to you and me when it said all. All includes everybody and excludes nobody. So now let's take personal inventory on this amazing exhortation. Preach the word. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. We're actually part of something called a word movement where emphasis was placed on good doctrine. When I first got saved, the main themes of my time were great testimonies and amazing, enjoyable music. There were great testimonies. People were becoming Christians. I remember hippies and drug dealers and people that were coming to the Lord, and they had a great testimony. People who had lived loose lives, and they'd gotten forgiven and were so grateful to be free from shame and guilt. And there was some radical things taking place. I remember a guy that was an Eagle Boy Scout with a great relationship with his parents and straight-A student. And he said, my testimony is as good as all you guys. It might even be better because I got saved from being a good person. And we were, like, we were competing over who had the best testimony. And really, testimony time isn't so much what we've been delivered out of. It's what we've been delivered into. We've been called, transferred out of darkness and brought into the kingdom of his dear son. Hear this. I love it. Parents that are bringing kids today, instill this in your kids. Train up your kids in this. Because very shortly, they're going to be the owners of companies and the leaders of, uh, of departments at work. And they're going to be overseeing schools. And they're going to be pastoring and leading churches. And they're going to be military. And they're going to be government. And they're going to be leading and providing. And they're going to be medical geniuses. They're going to be having breakthrough healings. And we must load them with the word of God. Preach the word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Heaven and earth will pass away, but his word will never pass away. He watches over his word to perform it. And so, as opposed to the myths and the endless genealogies and the tickling, itching ears syndrome, let's not get off into conjecture. Let's not get off on hobby horses and lesser things. Let's stay in the central themes that will make us uh, love God with all our heart and be more effective 
in the outcomes of impacting people. By the way, the next part is be ready in season and out of season. This is what I primarily want to bring to you. Readiness, preparedness. God is saying something to live ready. Everybody say live ready. Readiness means to be fully prepared in a suitable state for any activity, action, or situation. A few years ago, we had, I detected uh, smoke and then heat on the wall from our fuel-burning furnace in our old 1924 farmhouse that we had rehabbed up the street. I knew instantly we had a chimney fire. I got the kids out of bed. It was a cold, cold winter night. It was freezing outside. We were all standing out by the trampoline. We had called the fire department. Now listen, the fire department lives ready. They, right across the street, we have a firehouse and they have a beautiful, it's, it's crystal clean. The, the, the concrete looks like they wax it. The, the trucks look like they just washed them, just waxed them, just oiled them, you know, just greased the wheels, just filled the tanks. And they just live ready. And they have, they have work shifts where they, they, they sit around and they, some cook and some prepare. They'll go in there and they'll spend the whole night. They've got night shifts, they've got day shifts, and they, they have worked to be prepared and trained on the cutting edge of first response when we met dial 911. I dialed 911 and listen, they looked on their computer at one o'clock in the morning and realized our old farmhouse did not have uh, county water up into the little hill where we lived. We had a cistern for a while, then a well, but we did not have fire hydrants and we did not have running water in the conventional county sense. So they sent seven tankers full of water lined them up on the street, blocked all the traffic, and then all these amazing people came marching up our one-tenth of a mile driveway in a helmet, a backpack, a mask, oxygen, equipment in their hands. One guy walked up and he pulls out this amazing thing. You know, how many of you have been tested with a thermometer when you walked into places? The, uh, the other day I went into a restaurant, the girl said, may I take your temperature? Like, like I had a choice. And then she, and I'm wearing this mask and I'm standing there and it's like, I just want to get some chicken, you know? And uh, so she goes, okay. So I passed and I was like, can you tell me what my temperature was? 97.5, it's like, I think, is that good or bad? I forgot. But anyway, I'm walking, I got, I got, I got to go in. Well, this guy comes out with his piece of gear because he's ready. They have all this stuff in their hands. And he goes up and he, I said, it's hot right over here. And he goes, and Ames, sure enough, he goes, it's, it's 1,300 degrees or something. If he, he said, it's getting close. If it was just a few more minutes, your whole house would have just erupted in flames. Flames were shooting out of our chimney. My little daughter, Addison, was at the time was young. She was crying. I had to comfort her. And then, but what was so comforting was the readiness so comforting was the help. I, I just profusely thanked all these guys. And you know what they all said to me? Hey, no problem. It's my job, man. But I thought, it's one o'clock in the morning. These guys were so fast in getting to our house, weren't they? It just, if it had just been a couple of more minutes. So I'm just so thankful. It was because there wasn't an adjustment. The guy that was, he didn't, hadn't adjusted it. And there was more oil shooting in than should and that kind of thing. But anyway, God, because of readiness, that saved our house. Can I tell you that we're to be ready in season and out of season? In season and out of season. That means, by implication, that a lot of life is out of season, that things are seasonal. And we in Missouri have the advantage of actually having seasons. But did you ever notice 
that winter, spring, summer, and fall in Missouri is not always that well-defined. Like sometimes we'll have a winter day in the middle of summer. It'll be like, well, why is it this cool and why is there no humidity? Somebody said to me one time, uh, this shop owner down in downtown, he was, he was having a cigarette. I'm not a smoker, but he was. So I went outside to talk to him and he's smoking and puffing away. And he said, you know, if the weather was this nice all the time, we couldn't afford to live here. I thought that was very funny. It was funnier than you reacted. I laughed real hard. But you, you see, like, this is sort of season change. Like, isn't it Labor Day weekend, and now we can wear wool and not wear white shoes anymore and all that stuff? I don't know what the rules are now. Everything, all the rules have changed. Yeah. But I'll tell you what hasn't changed. As long as life exists, there will be seed time and harvest, and there will be, if things are seasonal. And we're to be ready in season and out of season. And sometimes God will call you up. Come on, front line, it's time to take action. There have been times in my life where God called me, like when the, we had the, the Good Friday uh, tornadoes that came through, ripped through St. Louis area. And thankfully, the Lord just delivered us. He, he split the storm over our buildings when it was coming from Dardine Prairie and it was aiming right at us and it split. And we have the visual from AccuWeather where the cells split and it was like the parting of the Red Sea. And for that, I was so thankful. But sadly, it landed and alighted on parts of Bridgeton up north and near Maryland Heights and Bridgeton. So God thankfully gave us a heads up and instantly we were in season and we had to take our service international equipment and our leadership and we went up there, we triaged a church parking lot, and we got with the officials of Bridgeton, and we started to mobilize, and in just a short period of time, we had over 5,000 volunteers on one particular weekend. We had the Amish call us and say, hey, we're not prideful or anything, but we are really almost like lumberjacks, and so they said, um, don't give us menial work. Give us substantial work. So we gave them the work of taking out the big 200-year-old oak trees off of these little old ladies' houses and saving them from price gouging from some of the... Uh, some people have great scruples, but some don't. And uh, so we just get in there and take the trees off. We take two or three trees off by, by before, the, before the con people would come and try to rip off the old ladies for thousands of dollars. And we'd already have it done. And we'd have, be working with the Amish with their beards and hats and whatnot. And I just love working with the Amish except the time I worked with this lady down the street and this lady, Amish lady, beat me with the wheelbarrow. And I'm still trying to recover from that. I thought I had a work ethic, but that lady was strong, man. She was fast and she had a look like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna beat you at this. I have an Amish work ethic, you know. But we gotta live ready and that was a moment where I had to live ready. I had to, live, I had to be ready, I had to go from Good Friday and Easter services in the conventional moment to now morph into relief leadership. And I want to say to you, there will be and are occasions where we get tapped out for larger kingdom duties. We are actually being prepared generally for just general kingdom duties and then specified seasons where there will be a need for optimal readiness. Okay? Listen to me. Be instant, ready, in season and out of season. Now, how does this practically apply? I'm going to help you with this. Be ready to always give an account for the hope that is in you. Lay up Jesus as central in your heart. Preach the word ties right into be ready. Be ready to preach the word. Be ready to share your faith. 
Be a soul winner. Be an evangelist. He that is wise wins souls, okay? So live ready. One time I got an upgrade on a plane, and there were empty seats up in the front. It wasn't a long flight, but I, got, I was happy because of frequent flying. They, get, they called my name. I was like, okay. So I grabbed my stuff. I went up there and sat down on the window seat. And then this gentleman came and sat down next to me. Well, they gave coupons for free alcoholic drinks. Well, I'm not an alcoholic drinker, so I just said, I'll have a water. And uh, so I just kept ch chugging water, you know, and I acted funny about it. And this guy was, you know, he's buying cocktails. So he was drinking his cocktails. I was drinking my water, and we were looking out the window. It was a beautiful, right before sunset, we were up at a high enough altitude where it just had that really beautiful band of orange and blues and things like that, and no clouds, and you could see for miles. And so I was looking out the window, and I was making conversation, and I said, man, it's beautiful. And then one thing led to another. He wasn't drunk, but he had a little bit of a liquid courage to, enough to have a conversation with me. So we were engaged in this conversation. And I just, I had my Bible open, and I started talking to him about Jesus and, and how Jesus had changed my life, how practical the faith was for me, and that it's, I'm the most unlikely guy to be in ministry, but yet God, you know, just did this work in my life. And he's like, wow. And so he said, I've often wondered. And, and so we started having this conversation. So he, you know, I'd order another water and he'd order another. And so I had to go to the bathroom so bad. But I thought, for the cause, I'm going to hold it so I don't have to make him get up. So I just wanted you to know how sacrificial I was that day. But anyway, <laughs> what was amazing was as the landing gear came out and he, they said, put up your chair, tray table and your seat in upright position, the man said something to me that I'll never forget. With tears in his eyes, he looked at me and he said, thank you so much for not just speaking small talk with me. And I thought, wow. Now you could say, well, he was a little bit drunk, Pastor Jeff. He wasn't really drunk. He was just had a little bit of a buzz, maybe enough to break down some inhibitions. Uh, I'm not advocating it. It just was what it was, but there was a moment. Maybe this is why Jesus ate and drank with publicans and sinners. They'd go, hey, tell me more about this kingdom of God, man. <laughs> so you say I'm a sinner, huh? I know I am. <laughs> What must I do to be saved, you know? But I was ready in season and out of season. Well, that's easy for you, Pastor Jeff, because you're a pastor. Actually, there's a tendency. I've heard Andy Stanley, he said, you know, if you're a layman, you've got an advantage over a preacher because people have sort of preconceptions. Of, oh, you're a preacher. You're a pastor. You know, you, this is what you do. But see, a marketplace Christian has a tremendous leverage because you're out there in and among the society as a citizen and a member of society. One of the greatest compliments ever paid me was at a restaurant. I was having a conversation, and this girl, the, the waitress, I was talking to a couple, and I was there. I said, they, they, she asked, so what do you, can I ask you what you do for a living? I said, well, I'm a pastor. You're a pastor? I can't even believe it. So when she left, I said, I was so proud of that. She didn't recognize that I was a preacher. And the guy across the table is a real conservative guy. He's like, you know, he, he, he didn't understand that I was happy that I, I just was, she thought I was just a, a regular human being. He didn't understand it. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Be ready in season and out of season with your amazing ambassadorship as a citizen of heaven as a joint heir with Jesus, as a representative of the kingdom of God. You've got a testimony. You were bought with a price. Let God arise and his enemies be scattered. Let always lay Christ up in your heart so you can have a, a, an answer for the reason why there's hope in you. During this pandemic, it's like, why are you joyous? 
Why is your family still thriving? Why are you just coping? Why, how are you thriving in the midst of this? Well, let me tell you about how good my God is, right? Be ready in season and out of season. I feel responsible as much to equip you for those high point times where you might be called upon to give a speech at your job. You might be called upon to pray a prayer at, at a restaurant. Listen, it will happen. How many of you have had these things happen to you at the boardroom or at work or at a restaurant? Well, raise your hands. They go, well, you're a Christian. You know, why don't you pray over the, over the meal? And it's like, you gotta be ready. Friday night, I asked Tim Dutton to pray over the offering. He didn't know I was gonna ask him. Tim, come pray over the offering. He came over, he went. It's like, oh boy, what's gonna happen here? Is he ready? But he was getting ready. He didn't wanna just say th something from his flesh. So when he did pray, made my knees jiggle a little bit. It was powerful. It was anointed. You are empowered by the Holy Spirit. You've been dedicating yourself for months now, and there's impartation right now, and there will be seasons of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. And he that refreshes others will himself be refreshed. So the reason Paul told Timothy, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience, and, and, uh, and what is it? Great patience and instruction. You're anointed. You're, you're empowered. You are a carrier of the presence of God. Remember, the Asian lady who thought she was Korean, but then found out she was Japanese, but then ultimately realizes the big deal of the big deal of her genetics is I'm a citizen of heaven. I've been bought with a price. I talked to her about the spirit of adoption. I said, because I was adopted by my stepdad and I had my name changed and he took me. It's such a sense, it's the opposite of rejection. She said, I was adopted twice. I said, what do you mean? The farming family of Iowa that adopted me, they died when I was eight years old. The husband and the wife, they both died close to each other. So there I was orphaned again. But then a family of foster care took her on and adopted her. And I could tell, I said, she said, so I doubly understand the spirit of adoption. But she more than anything, even when she was going, I'm Japanese and I didn't even know it. She thought more than anything, I'm a new creature and this I know, and this is a bigger deal of any of my ethnicity or any of my identity. All right, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Let me tell you two quick biblical examples of readiness. In prayer in Acts chapter four, Peter and John were told to shut up by the Sanhedrin and the, the authorities. So, well, you decide whether it's better for us to obey God or man, you pick, we're gonna obey God. And they went to their companions and they prayed. They were ready to pray. And the house got together and prayed and it shaped the next steps and future of the early church. So we need to be alert and ready to pray. Always ready to pray. When you're driving a car, pray while you're driving. Pray about everything. Pray about everything. Be ready to pray. The Bible says pray without ceasing. We're to be instant in prayer. Also preaching, Acts chapter 17. Paul was waiting for his friends in Athens and he was sharing the gospel. And these guys said, let's hear about this proclaimer of strange deities. He's talking about all this stuff. Let's have him talk. And they were, there was a place called Mars Hill, the Areopagus. It's just a place where people gathered, had social discourse, and discussed philosophy. Remember, the Greek thing was just saturated with philosophical concepts. The Greek culture, the, everything had been Hellenized at this point. They spoke Koine Greek. They thought about Socrates, Plato, Aristotle, Epicurean, Stoic, philosophy. They had all this thing, you know, this whole Athenian thing. 
gods and goddesses and all this stuff, Paul comes in to preach Jesus Christ and him crucified. So he was ready to preach. He was quoting their Athenian poets. He was building up. He was talking about, he was relating to them. He had gone through and he said, I observed your religious in many ways. I noticed an altar with the inscription to the unknown God. So this one that you worship in ignorance, this is the one I proclaim to you. And he built on that foundation. Paul lived ready. Paul lived ready for opportunity. Listen, I was on that airplane. I didn't know I was going to be upgraded. But I got upgraded. I didn't know who my seatmate was going to be, but it was this gentleman. I didn't know that I was going to be just chugging down water. He was going to be getting a little bit of a buzz. I didn't know that God was going to coordinate and set something up. Just in a moment, we were both rejoicing that we got upgraded. And it was cool. I got upgraded in order to share living water. He got upgraded and he got some cocktails. But then he ended up getting the gospel. I had better party materials, hallelujah. So be ready, live ready. What's readiness? It's prepared. Prepare you the way of the Lord. Prepare for his coming. Prepare for the anointing to come on you. Prepare for increase. Prepare for the gifts of the Spirit to operate in your life. Listen, I took my son, Kingston, to the dentist, and now Dr. Mark Ortnow is his grandfather-in-law. And, but he was standing there, and he had gotten his life changed through the love of Jesus and changed his life. And so he's standing there, and he tells me that my son does not have a permanent tooth bud in his jaw, and that's why he still has a baby tooth here as his early teenage years, and that's why he never got a permanent tooth. My heart sunk. Before I could even muster any courage, he, I believe, had the gift of working of miracles and the gift of faith or the gift of healing on him. He turned around, and he goes, let's just believe God for a miracle. And it was like, oh, yeah, thank you, I forgot, you know. I was just all upset being a dad going, what? Hearing ba a bad report, seeing with my own eyes that he had no little permanent tooth potential. He said, let's just believe God for a miracle. God will create a tooth. So he prayed, and Kingston got a permanent tooth there. And it popped in, and the baby tooth popped out, and he got a nice permanent tooth. He'll show you. We'll stand, we'll stand him up and have show and tell. It's funny because when I told that, Dr. Ortnow said to me, you know, I had completely forgotten that. He had a miracle of biblical proportion that I benefited from, and he forgot it. Come on, that's one of my best testimonies. You know, and he forgot it. I would just tell you, you're designed for signs, wonders, and miracles to follow you. Your prayers get answered. When you speak the word, mountains move. They have to, because the Bible says so. You're sons and daughters of the end times. And as realistic as the necessity was for this to be spoken by Paul to Timothy in the early church, there's never been a better time to reevaluate this portion of Scripture for a church that we preach the word, we're instant in season and out of season, we reprove, rebuke, re exhort with great patience and long-suffering because people are have itching ears and we've got to get push aside mythology and get the truth out, be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Look, I think... Easter for us at Family Church is evangelistic. That's why we do the egg hunt. I don't do the egg hunt because I believe in Easter bunnies and, and pagan compromise. I do it because I want to draw lost people to the gospel of Jesus. 
I don't do the harvest party because I think Halloween is awesome. It's one of my least favorite ideas, but I would rather not forfeit that weekend and have our kids be bored or go into the world. I'd rather give them an alternative and share the gospel and the love of Jesus and take back that weekend. Do you understand that? Religious people have a hard time with that. I'm, I'm not compromising on it. I want to win the world to Jesus. I want everything to be done with an evangelistic thrust. We do plays like Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. We do Godspell and we include the resurrection. We do Joseph and we include the anointing. We refuse to exclude the anointing. And it ends up becoming even better because in fact, those were both stories from the Bible that deserve to be presented in an anointed way. And we ought to share Jesus and do things evangelistically, always ready to give an account, whether it's a person that's sitting by you in the airplane, whether it's conversation that starts to form. I think you can quickly lead conversation into a way where you can say, hey, God bless you, Jesus. Is there anything I could pray for you about? And sometimes people will be nervous and dismissive. Sometimes people will go, well, it can't hurt, can't hurt. So no, it won't hurt, it'll help. And intercede for people, pray for people, encourage people, always ready to witness, to pray, to serve, to give, to forgive, and always ready to stop and flop and read your Bible. Stop and flop. Just read something out of your Bible. Read the Bible. Get it saturated with it. Reprove, rebuke, exhort. I'm feeling reproved, rebuked, and exhorted to get ready to finish now. But I want to finish with the Emily Dickinson quote. She said, we never know how high we are till we are called to rise. I believe God is calling us to rise. I believe God is calling us to think. I believe God is calling us to be mature. And then she goes on and says, and the heroism we recite would be a daily thing. Did not ourselves the cubits warp for fear to be a king? I think that readiness is the opposite of reticence. Reticence is where we, we just guard and we hold back and we don't want to open up. And, we, and, and who wouldn't be guarded right now? And yet, listen, God's actually called us to trust him. He who is opening a door no man can shut. He who's opening up the windows of heaven. He who's the one who opened up heaven and put a ladder down to Jacob and said, I'm going to give you the land you're laying on. He that opened up the window of heaven and said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. He is the one who opened up the windows of heaven over the upper room and said to the early church, I'm baptizing you in the Holy Spirit and fire and you'll go forth in power with signs and wonders following you. Here we are. Been through a lot of things. Have a lot of feelings. Been through a lot of hurts. The Bible says to overcome hardship. You know, we rededicate and stay tender and stay available to the Holy Spirit. Stay in touch with God on this thing. He says, I solemnly charge you, preach the word. Listen, not obnoxiously so, not just slamming it into people's lives. I think if it's so integrated in our lives, it'll come out as a paraphrase, like a Galilean accent. They can tell we've been with Jesus. And this is the nature of the, of the anointing of the Holy Spirit and the impartation equipping that I'm talking about. He said, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams, these signs will follow those who believe. I believe in a mighty supernatural experience for believers where his word is amplified and faith is stimulated. The guy drinking on the plane, thank you for not speaking small talk with me. Thank you for having the, 
just the wherewithal to talk to me about these deeper things. And, and even he was a little loud because he had been drinking. So he would say, you mean to tell me Jesus uh, is the only way to heaven? Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Everybody in the first class are all like, I was on another flight with our staff. I had an upgrade because of traveling so much, and I wanted to go back and get a couple of them to come up, and I would go change seats with them. And, and, uh, but then there was a guy that was mentally unhinged who later told me he wasn't on his medication. And he was acting out. He started singing a Bon Jovi medley, and he was actually really good. But he so frightened the businessman sitting next to him. He, he turned, the businessman didn't even know me, and he turned around and said, this man is imbalanced. I said, is he threatening you? And he went, yes! And he jumped up and he ran to the back of the plane. Just completely left his upgrade, didn't care. So there's the guy sitting there and I'm sitting on this end and there's an empty seat between us and he is challenging me the whole time. Oh, you like that sport coat? Ooh, nice sport coat. Nice sport. Remember when he mocked me about my sport coat? I just, I real, I was, now I needed wisdom. What do I do, Lord? Do I bow up in the flesh and try to act like Mr. Hero with tight pants and walk up going, you better not be talking like this to us up here. And I, it would have been a, an international disaster. But I did know to sit and pray in the spirit under my breath. That's a weapon. I was ready to pray in tongues. I sat there and I prayed. I wasn't twitching and yelling. I was just, but I was praying in earnest. And he was on the edge. He threatened one of the flight attendants. He mocked another flight attendant, said really inappropriate things to this one particular guy. This one lady ended up telling my brother was up in another seat and told my brother, hey, we're going to take him down and we need you to help. And so my brother said, my brother said, I'm in. And I'll, I'll, my brother will help too. Only he never told me. So I'm just sitting over there. It's like, oh, really? If, if we're supposed to if we're supposed to duct tape this guy, I should have known. And I'm so thankful it didn't come to that. I used my spiritual authority. I knew not to go and be a Yahoo and, and get in the flesh with it. I knew it wouldn't have worked in the flesh. I even turned around and I saw an elderly couple in the back row of the front section, and they were nervous. I could see them just nervous. And I thought, this isn't... And the, and the flight attendant had the wisdom not to respond to his, his mistreatment of him. It was really intense. I mean, high-level crazy. And uh, at the end of the flight, he got up, you know, and he, he said he was going to get all these guys fired and he was going to report them. And, and then he said, uh, he leaned down to me and he said, um, you didn't disrespect me, so I appreciate that. He said, I didn't take my medication today. It was almost like he morphed into, re it was like, and, and I had favor with him. He was mocking me over my sport coat. I, I, in fact, I, I was walking out, I was going like, what, what, I mean, it was like, this is a pretty good sport coat. It's like, what? He outran the cops. They, they had cops there and he took off, the, they were, the cops were standing there waiting for him. He had slipped the cops. It's like, he was, he was that guy with the crackers all over him with his haircut weird. Got to live ready. And I'm ready to end. Let's all stand up on our feet. Listen, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Listen, God's anointed you for certain kingdom duties. To pray, to be available to the Holy Spirit, to be a giver, to be a, be a person that yields to the, the leadership of the Holy Spirit on occasions, in season and out of season. I'm going to tell you, you will have seasons where you're specifically called out
to do key things that only you can do. So in the meantime, generally, out of season, flow in prayer, flow in the word, flow and endeavor to trust God for the gifts of the spirit. Trust God for signs and wonders to follow you. Always be available. Live a supernatural orientation. Trust God. I don't mean be weird and spooky. I just mean be available to the presence of God. Be open to his, his mindset and his leadership. I got to visit Paul Haglin when Mark and Alexis called on me, and they said, we think this is his last day. He was in the hospital. I had a scripture in my heart. I thought, you know, he's such a dynamic man, and I, but I had the psalm, so I knew I'm going to go in there. I'm going to get next to him. I'm going to read this psalm to him. And so I read that psalm to him, and I mean, he was such a lover of God and a lover of the word. He just, oh, the Bible's been so much to me. And he lived an extra, didn't he live a year after that? He had a Muslim couple, uh, uh, the man was his uh, roommate, and the lady was there, and they were so dear, and he had been praying for them and ministering to them, and they were so receptive. And, and they asked, would you please pray for us? We believe in God too, would you please pray for us? I said, well, sure. So I had this moment over there with them. I went there to talk to Paul, but God had other uh, elements as well. And then there, Alexis goes, they don't think he's gonna come out of the hospital. It's like, well, he, but he rebounded. And he spoke a word to us that was, has forever helped us. Not only were we there to help him, but it was a mutual building up. He said something to us that has really been key for our lives that was super, super big to us. A guy laying in what was his deathbed gets an extra year. Hallelujah. So, Father, order our steps, Lord. Help us to be sensitive to you, please. God, I, I who have just gotten in my own thing at times, been distracted by things, been immersed in the, the, the message of the world, the news cycle, the, the aspects of the day, the worries and cares. Well, help us to gain some spiritual ground today. Who wants to gain some spiritual ground today? Okay, let's fill ourselves up with the Bible. Let's pray without ceasing. Let's be ready, let's be ready, like those firemen that were ready. I didn't even know I was ready on that airplane but I knew to rely on God. And I, th I thought, should I go, should I tackle that guy? No. Should I tackle it in prayer? Yes. God gives us wisdom. He orders our steps. He makes us sensitive. Wisdom about your investments and your finances and your banking and your, 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 your re retirement and your, your household and all your stuff. Wisdom on your finances in the name of Jesus. Wisdom on your relationships, who to talk to, who to refrain from, where to go, who to hang with, who to say no to. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, again, lay hands on your sternum or your rib cage, and I pray the mighty stirrings of God in your life for prayer, for soul winning for speaking a word of encouragement, for gift giving, for your leadership, the call that's on your life. I pray supernatural refreshing upon you, seasons of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. If you're not saved, today's the day you surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Ask him to come in and he'll wash you and forgive you of your sins. Set up lordship in your heart, make you change from the inside out. Today's the day of salvation. You've been away from God, you've grown dull or cold, or you've been a Christian that's been pummeled and beaten. I pray the healing touch of God on your day and your life 
I say this is a day of breakthrough. If demonic oppression has tried to come in your life, I break it and I command the cycles of it to stop and I command demons to flee. And now you're gonna experience improvement. May not be initially in this meeting, but you'll walk away and you'll realize you've been forever changed because of the prayer of faith. And now Lord, opportunities before us for prayer, for encouragement, for evangelism, for service. Help us to be ready. Say, I'm ready. Everybody say, ready, set, on your mark, get set. One, two, three, ready, set, go. God bless you guys. Have a great day. Hallelujah.